Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are listening. My name is Ivory. I am the curator for Embracing Neurodiversity, where we support parents and schools with embracing and enhancing the experience of their neurodivergent children. This is the Embracing Neurodiversity podcast, where I discuss my journey with embracing and enhancing the experience of my wonderful son, who happens to be on the spectrum. Hey y'all, welcome back. I am excited to return back to the podcast. It has probably been about a week and a half, um... And I, my intention is to report a podcast once a week. And I have been obviously um, uh, pretty busy with some other things. Like my son got sick and then I got sick and then work um, has been pretty busy. So uh, things started to, started to slip out of my grasp, but I am back. Nevertheless, and um, the best lesson to be learned from this is no matter what, keep going, even when things get overwhelming and or difficult. Um, So I am looking forward to talking today about how to support your child with their speech and language. This is something that I am on the learning journey of and have been since um, my child was born. So uh, I've learned so much and um, my son has made so much progress that uh, I just feel compelled to share some of the techniques that I've learned and that I use um, and then some of the um, the supports that I've had to to provide for Khalil, my son, um, in order to help with his speech and language. And so uh, I want to share that information with you all in hopes that there is a parent or parents out there who um, could use it, right? And so if I can step back, one of the reasons, the primary reason why, how I... Um, had an inclination that Khalil was delayed in some way was because his speech was delayed. Um, he, ever since he was born, like, you know, very bubbly child, laughed, cried, uh, very active, moved about, um, and curious, explored things around him. He, um, you know, had no signs of anything for a while maybe until he was about two and a half and he was not he wasn't speaking he wasn't he wasn't saying words like he would if I told him to repeat something sometimes he would I I taught him how to um when I would ask how old you how old are you I uh, taught him how to say his age so he would learn he would say two and hold up the number two um but he wasn't um conversational and I, at two or that wasn't the expectation but he would he was singing a lot he would sing all day but when he wanted something he wouldn't ask me for it instead he would grab my hand and 
pull me towards the location of the item or he would try to get it himself right um and so he was just in general resistant to speaking like that would be the last that would be the last thing he would do if he needed or wanted something and um so around three I took him to go get a speech evaluation and she um you know works with him did her assessments and she said essentially that she didn't see any signs of autism um but there was a speech delay and that she recommended that um I do two things one put him in some uh like a school or day school or daycare setting with other children so that he can have um social interactions with his peers to increase his language because my son is the only child um he essentially was around uh myself and his dad most of his life and so uh she recommended that and then um the second piece was um obviously uh providing weekly speech therapy or taking him to weekly speech therapy and um she verbalized to me that I needed to begin to not uh, anticipate his needs but instead wait until he requests them verbally um so I'll talk about that later the third piece because that's one of the um one of the strategies that is most impactful to help increase your child's speech but <clears throat> to uh go back to initially um when she reported in the assessment that she didn't see signs of autism that it was a speech delay i um now i know after doing more work and research and seeking out supports that their um speech to pathologists they're not supposed to um give a undiagnosis or a um unofficial diagnosis or lack thereof they're not supposed to provide you with that that's not that's not in their um realm of work they are supposed to only identify the thing that they are that um that they have their education and background and expertise in which in this case was speech um and so with that i was i was perturbed for you know a while because i had moved on assuming that my child was fine and well he is fine let me say that excuse me but then my child didn't have autism um but instead that he he was his speech was delayed and, and that um we just needed to work on that, right? Based on her her communication to me, and I trusted that. So, this was around three years old. So, based well, given that I put him in um, part-time daycare, and I started to work on his words, like flashcards and singing, and I... Um, stepped back from anticipating his needs and would require him to ask me for it before I gave it to him. Those things helped significantly, um, especially when it came to like things he really wanted, like um, his iPad or something sweet, right? Like he would, I would require him to say, you know, can I have iPad, which 
is another tactic I'll talk about in a minute. Or, um, especially if you wanted like some sort of like a candy or dessert, I would use that as an opportunity to like first uh, identify these words and then you'll have this donut. And so um, I started those things around three and uh, he keep in mind, he just turned five. So this has been maybe like a two, two and a half year. I'm sorry, he just turned six. So this has been about a, um, a almost two and a half, three year process. So, so there's, we still have ways to go. But I feel, um, I've always been super hopeful. I always knew that Khalil was going to eventually speak. Um, but it was, it was, um, in the beginning, I was very worried. And um, all the emotions that I talked about in previous podcasts around like worry, guilt, um, cluelessness, like I felt all of those things, right? And, and particularly, there was just like an overwhelming level of sadness. Um, and some days still, there still is because there was this desire, there is this desire to converse with my child verbally, right? Like I want him to be able to tell me, you know, what's in his, going on in his head, his thoughts and his um, feelings and how his day was. Um, and that will soon come. It's, we're not there yet, but we are you know, uh, heads away. He he um, just started a couple months, maybe, maybe like one or two months ago, um, saying mommy, mommy, which, you know, just makes my heart melt because he was not saying mommy. Now, that didn't, I would make him say it, like, because I wanted to hear it, so I would make him call me mommy uh, when he wanted something, but he wouldn't volunteer it. He wouldn't volunteer it or initiate it up until very recently, but also um, to that point, and this is another tactic I'm going to talk about in a minute. <laughs> I, my, my, I knew my son knew who I was. Like I knew that he knew he loved me, and that he knew I loved him. Like, there was never any doubt about that. Um, he just was he was not calling me mommy, you know, and that's something that all parents want to hear. Um, and so that was devastating for me for a while as well. And so. You know, I'm the type of person that I, I essentially, I turn my pain into like fuel to forge forward and um, and make sense of things and, and try to put, put puzzle pieces together. And so I was just laser focused on increasing my son's speech. So I want to talk about the top five ways that I have, that I have discovered worked for me and Khalil, in terms of his speech, keep in mind, he is not where, um, he's not completely fluent in his speech and language yet. He will be one day though, um, but he has made so much progress. And so it's, it's essentially about being super consistent and um, not um, wavering, right? And so... The first thing that I did, which I mentioned before, which was a recommendation that the speech therapist told me to do, was to 
not anticipate his needs but to wait for him to request it and even if it was a nonverbal request and all of his most of his needs right food um most of his needs that weren't going to impact his health right so mostly like food or if something was out of reach or if he wanted to go play like those were things that he would find a verbal or nonverbal gestures to indicate to me that he wanted. And when he would do that, when he would maybe pull my hand or point to something, I would pause and I would tell him what to say. And I wouldn't proceed with getting him the thing that he wanted until he said it. And um, that brings me to, to uh, tactic number two. After you are requiring your child to request their need or want make sure that you are modeling for them simple language right so this was around this was around three years old and with Khalil let's say he wanted um cereal and cereal was in the kitchen and I we were in the living room and he would grab my hand to pull me into the kitchen and point I would say um cereal please two words I would not give him a full sentence I wouldn't um I wouldn't tell him the specific name of the cereal I would keep I'll keep it simple simplicity builds confidence right you have to meet your child where they are so I would say cereal please when he wanted his iPad I kept the iPad password locked because I wanted to make sure that every time he wanted to use it that he would have to ask me again making making them request right so I would use three words can I have, or four, sorry, can I have iPad? Very simple. And I would escalate my tone so that there was emphasis on the words and he could hear them clearly. So number one, don't anticipate their needs. You know that you know what they need. You're eventually going to give it to them, but allow them to request because it helps with, not only does it help with their speech, but it also helps with their advocacy skills for themselves. Number two, simplify your language and build on it over time. So right now, I am starting to incorporate full sentences because I realized that um, he's at the place where he can do that. And the way that I realized that brings me to tactic number three. I observe everything that he does so that I can assess where his growth areas are and where his strengths are. It's super important as parents to any child, but particularly a child who is neurodivergent, um, observe everything, learn what their strengths are and build on that and, and learn what their um, areas of growth are and meet them where they are and build on that. And so over time, I would hear Khalil repeat statements and songs from um cartoons that he would watch and so then i was like okay if he knows how to sing this entire song he certainly knows how to say 
um, increase his verbal communication. And so um, we're going to start saying sentences now. And so um, I observed everything that he did and um, built on that. In addition to the observation, you learn what their likes and dislikes are. And you use that to your advantage. This is still number three. When um, you are observing, you understand, you know that um, what your child's interest is. And then you use that to get them to say the things that they want. And so if my child likes farm animals, which he does, um, I will um, sometimes withhold them and make him ask for them. In the beginning, I would make him ask for them. And now I use it as a if-then uh, tactic, which brings me to number four. Um, when we Play with your child and encourage social interaction. So um, I would sit with him and while he's playing with his farm animals, I would, you know, hold it up and say, Khalil, what is this? And he'll say, horse. And then, you know, I wouldn't give it back to him until he asked for it. And so I will hold it back and he'll be reaching for it. So I'll say, can I have horse? Can I have horse or horse, please? And, and to require him to say it. Um, and I would do that repeatedly. So um, use their what their interest is. Sit and play with them and incorporate communication in your play. The next suggestion is quite obvious, but it still needs to be said. And that is providing them with speech and their uh, speech and language therapy. If that is essential at this point i'm so grateful because khalil has a great speech therapist she comes to the house and we work with him collectively um but we have had um a couple of speech therapists some not so good and so i want to talk about that a little bit what number one always insist if you feel so compelled but i think it's important um, to be in the room with your child during their speech therapy in the beginning, right? Um, as they get older, maybe that won't be as much of a need. I don't know yet, but, um, I've had speech therapists that would, uh, want me to stay in the room, but then I've had, uh, speech therapists who say that they prefer that not to be the case because it, it distracts the child, um, but so I've had both and I've been able to compare the two. And what I've learned is that it actually my son engages more in his speech therapy when I'm there and I'm sitting at the table with him and not even and So I've had one where I would sit there and observe. And now I, um, from his, his current speech therapist, um, recommendation, I actually, am involved in the, the speech therapy with Khalil and his therapist and it is super super impactful and I wish that I would have known that um when we started the speech therapy to actually do 
interact and be a part of the therapy. And so a, a lot of it is play-based. And so um, incorporating that play uh, and, or engaging in that pl- in the play with Khalil during speech therapy has taught me how to play with him outside of speech therapy, which was um, some of the tactics that I just mentioned previously. So speech therapy is super important and be involved in the speech therapy. Don't just let the therapist work with your child and you go off and do something. Be involved. It makes a huge difference. I've seen it in my own life. Lastly, leave some space for your child to find their words is how I call it, but to speak, right? And so when they're wanting something, usually if a child comes up to us and maybe they want you to open up a bottle or water and they're handing it to you or gesturing for you to do it. And naturally as parents, we grab it, we open it, we give it back to them, we go about our business, right? But you have to be very intentional about pausing when when you um, when you have a child who has a speech delay, you have to be very intentional about pausing and waiting for them to ask. And they'll gesture, they'll give it to you, they'll do every, they'll try to force it in your hand, they'll do everything possible not to say what they are asked, what they're in need of. And so, as a parent, you have to sit in that un- uncomfortable space, and, and you know. You gesture and say, what? What do you well, This is prompt. You prompt by saying, like, what? What do you want? Um, and then in the beginning, they may not know what to ask you. And so, as I mentioned, you will give them the language. Open water, please. And once they say it, you're, you are celebrating that moment. Yes, very good. You open the water and you give it to them. And then you do that repeatedly. Um, but open space. Um, or leave space open for them to say it first because you will be surprised um, when what they know if you just give it a little bit of time and so you know they're trying to give you this water bottle you're holding your hands out and you're gesturing like I don't know what you want I don't know what you want and then you'll notice they'll start thinking about it their brain somewhere in their head like what should I say and then They'll say something. Even saying something is a success because they're attempting. You always want them to attempt because you want that confidence to remain. And sometimes it'll just be maybe some mumbo jumbo. And so then you're like, yeah, good. Of course, I'll open water, even if they didn't say that. But over time, you want to give them the language and um, they will meet that. Right. And so. That goes back to meeting them halfway, but always kind of inch, raising the bar inch by inch. So those are the top ways in which I have helped my child with his speech. Um, we are not where we want to be, but we are certainly not where we used to be. And that is always something to celebrate. Um, I, I will end with this, that even when your child's speech is delayed, they have so many other ways in which they will communicate with you as their parent, non-verbally. And it's essential that you embrace that, right? Like 
your child loves you and even if they don't verbalize it there will be ways that they will show you when your child is in pain there will be ways that they show you going back to being observant right when your child is not feeling well there will be ways where they will show you through their gestures and their body language and their eye contact and their facial expressions um when they're pointing to something when they're nodding when they are clapping their hands because they're excited when they're reaching out because they want to be picked up um so lean into those nonverbal communication skills embrace those those matter too right even incorporate some um sign language that helps as well um right now Khalil is in kindergarten and his school wanted to incorporate a, a tablet where you he can, um, I forgot the technical name for it, but we can click on the images and it'll use the word for him. If I'm being completely honest, I am a bit uh, resistant to it because I want him to use his speech. Um, but nevertheless, we use it when necessary and he uses it at school and they say that it does help. So that is, um, the tablet is, is, um, a great tool as well um but lean into your child's strength and those nonverbal skills also but push them at the same time so per usual hoping this is helpful hoping that um it is useful and if you all have any questions i am happy to answer um, thank you for supporting and listening. And until next time, take care of yourself.